Major League Baseball last night was wild. Not only was fastball Freddie Freddie Peralta electric for the Milwaukee Brewers last night, going six innings, striking out ten. Check out this stat for the Brewers. The Brewers, after Freddie Peralta start last night as they went five to nothing over the Diamondbacks, the Brewers are the first team since 1901 to have nine starts of six plus innings pitched with one or zero hits allowed. It's a full season record, but it's only June twenty second or June twenty third right now uh, for your Milwaukee Brewers. That also just shows how bad Major League Baseball hitting has been this year, and not only just hitting but strikeouts. Yeah. Now they say some of the hitting's been bad, and this is why Major League Baseball is cracking down on the sticky balls. If you are caught with pine tar, uh, rosin, or the uh, what spider tack rowdy of anything, any foreign substance. You, you can be, you can have you can have some rosin on there. Yeah, I'm sorry. You just can't like put rosin with pine tar and spider tacks and melt it in a aluminum can and then have some uh, like the Angels manager had. You just can't get caught with that. You just can't have foreign substances deemed illegal because now they'll have umpires come out to check you. And in fact, it and started, started Monday. Started Monday, and last night did it get wild? Not one, but two games. First, I think it started with Max. Scherzer, Rowdy, this game was wild. The Nats ace, Scherzer, was pissed. Umpires inspected him three times, and one of the times was during an inning while he was pitching. Rowdy, tell the folks what happened. Well, first off, the rule, you know, that they're supposed to look at a starting pitcher when they they come off the mound, right, mm-hmm. or before they they get out there. Mm-hmm. For the rule itself is they look at the hat, the glove, the baseball, and their belt. Yeah, don't you think if you were like hiding a a sticky substance, you could find a a better place to hide it than your glove, glove your, your hat, hat or, or your, your belt? belt? Like. There's so many other places you could hide it. So Joe Girardi is chirping, right? Uh, Phillies manager is chirping at Max Scherzer, yes? Yes. Yeah, well, well, first off, like Scherzer gets the normal, I guess you would say, shakedown examination. Yeah, they, they come out and check him. Like, okay. And, and this, okay, is, this is whatever. in between an inning, correct? Yeah. And normally, I think it was starting pitchers were told that being a starter, you're going to get looked at twice. Twice. And being a relief pitcher, every relief relief pitcher will get looked at once. Yes. Well, Scherzer was looked at twice already, and then Girardi called for them to look at Max Scherzer. And then this happened. Because according to Girardi, he went through his hair, took off his hat and went through his hair. Yep. And he has watched Max Scherzer his whole career, and he's never, never seen him that. do he's that never before. Seen him do that. So Scherzer is getting inspected on the mound, and hilarity ensues. So Joe Girardi is asking the home plate umpire, Tim Timmons and Alfonso Marquez, to take a look at something. Joe must have seen something with one of the baseballs. Scherzer's looking over the dugout saying, really? But they must have seen something. So Dave Martinez is coming out. And here goes Scherzer. Throws off his hat, unbuckles his belt, throws his belt on the ground, and takes his pants down. In the middle of an inning. Baby's upset. He is upset. Scherzer throws his hat on the ground, immediately unbuckles his belt, throws his glove, then his hat on the ground, immediately unbuckles his belt, takes off his pants somewhat halfway down, and then says, what do you want from me? 
And then he starts chirping, uh, chirping Girardi, and they just keep going back and forth, and Scherzer's then wiping his hair, chirping, 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 saying, let's get on with it. And then, Rowdy, a little later in the night, it went to the Oakland Athletics, where their starting pitcher was called out for having illegal substances. He didn't have any, so what does he do? Well, listen. And you take a look here at what Sergio Romo was dealing with, and he was... A, a little bit heated there after the performance as he's immediately thrown off the belt, the glove, the hat, everything. And not only the belt, the glove, and the hat, he pulls his pants down all the way to his knees. Rowdy, the Rom- the Romo one was even funnier than Scherzer's. See, it was, but Sergio Romo is a relief pitcher. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if he got looked at twice or if that was just the only time, which is what was supposed to be the normal rule. So... Not once, but twice last night are pitchers throwing their hat, their gloves on the ground and taking off their belt, unbuttoning their pants and pulling them down to tell these umpires, pound sand, get the hell out of here. Well, to be completely honest, when we were watching Hilarious. Monday's game between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Brewers, I thought it kind of, because that was the first night, mm-hmm. thought it kind of felt a little ex- excessive when they continued to look at every single pitcher for basically every single inning Mm -hmm. it did seem a little excessive then and now i guess it's hilarious day two i guess it's starting to boil over so i guess what will happen today day three but if you want to talk about sticky stuff in the milwaukee brewers remember that uh chicago article where we talked yeah the guy was blaming the brewers for using sticky stuff yeah and then he kind of put the names of corbin burns brandon woodruff and freddie Freddie peralta Peralta. well of those three this was the first start by one of those three, and it was Freddie Peralta, and he threw the ball quite well yesterday in Arizona. Did it, I don't think anyone checked him, did they? Like, they didn't come out for a mountain visit like they did to Scherzer, right? No, they checked him. They, they, oh, they checked came everybody. Out? They made him change gloves. They came out? Was, wow, look at that. Crazy. So Freddie Peralta not caught. None of these pitchers were caught. How long does these rules last for? You, what are we going to see coming up now tonight? The rest of the year. So guys are now pulling their pants on their knees. Or are they start hanging dong coming up? No, they they made Freddie Peralta in the game change his, his mitt because no they said it was too light. Wow. Freddie Peralta, six innings, struck out ten. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Z in the D. Zach in the Dells. What's up, dude? You know all about sticky balls. I know everything about sticky balls, especially when it's above 80 degrees. <laughs> all right. What's up, dude? So when you watch the video on the Joe Girardi situation, I get the check-in of once, maybe twice. The third time is so uncalled for, and it's ridiculous. And he, it Scherzer gives him the shit. If you watch, it's like John Boy Media, whatever. He yeah. gives a breakdown. And Scherzer on his third time is like, I got nothing. I got nothing. And then he's like, the ums are just, and he's like, I got nothing. And then when he's walking away, he gives that stare down. And then Scherzer's in the dugout just looking over. And then Girardi looks over. Well, uh, Girardi's one of his old bench coaches that he let go 10 years ago when he was with the Yankees. And the bench coach is like, this is bleeping bull crap. This is bleeping bull crap. And then that's when Girardi got out of the dugout. And he's like, come on, Kevin Long. Come on, Kevin Long. Come on. Say that's my face. And that's where it kind of like went off. And I get everything that Kevin Long's doing. I mean, he's sticking up for his player. And come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Scherzer's been this way, like, pitching this well for a long time. Yeah, he's getting up there in years, but do you think he's really going to be an idiot to bring out the substance if he did have the substance in the second night of pitching? I don't think so. And if pitchers really want to get around them getting checked, 
it's not like are they going to start tracking catchers too? Because the catchers. Well, are yeah, I mean, if they find if they see you like you know having you know no no stuff, they'll check position players, catchers, you name it. But right now, all eyes are on um, the pitchers. Yeah, it's just it's it's stupidity at its finest. I mean, the thing is that once they get checked twice, if they ask for a third time and there's nothing found, the, the manager should be ejected immediately. Yeah. No matter what, the manager should be ejected immediately. It's just like the manager is like a cop, and the cop pulls you over for no reason. You can go to court and file a complaint against that cop. Well, the same thing should be <laughs> said against the manager. You just wait till they get robo umpires. Then they're gonna come out there and really hammer them. We got the Terminator T1000 out there, you know, giving you the death grip on your nutsack for pulling your pants down. Yeah, and that's the best thing about this. These pitchers are taking their pants down. I, I'm that's really hilarious. Yesterday, two guys. You got yesterday, two guys. Scherzer just unbuttoned his pants and pulled it down a little bit. Romo pulled his pants on all the way to his knees. Tonight, you'll see guys just being like in their jocks, hanging their bare ass. Well, just imagine. Sorry, you're going to commercial break. Just imagine Jason Giambi was a pitcher and he was for the Yankees and he's wearing that banana hammock that he talked about <laughs> when he wore. Just imagine a pitcher comes out there, he's wearing nothing but yeah. a banana hammock. Like the one I have. Hey, Z and the D, love you, man. Love you. See Talk you, buddy. You there he is. Zach and the Dells. Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Game one. Check this out. The Greek Freak. Hi, Milwaukee. I'm Yanis Adetokumbo. Can you say my name? The Greek Freak finished the series against the Nets with five consecutive games of 30-plus points and 10-plus rebounds. The last player in the NBA to have that 30-10 postseason streak of five games. Shaquille O'Neal during the 2000 playoffs. Shaquille O'Neal, a.k.a. Shaq. Shaqtis, the big Aristotle, the big cactus, the big diesel, Superman. The last player to have a 30-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, and five straight games in the postseason. Shaq during the 2000 playoffs. And they both shoot free throws the same. <laughs> and they both shoot from behind the arc the same. <laughs> oh my that, god, at, that's probably a little bit mean. Giannis is is definitely better shooting from behind the arc than Shaq, and maybe just a touch better from the free throw line too. Maybe just a touch better than that too. Um, just but just you never, maybe you never had Shaq ever uh, taking the ball up the court or <laughs> wanting to play point guard. <laughs> too funny. Too funny. In the 2000 season, see Shaq averaged th- almost 30 points a game, 13.6 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and three blocks. Led the Lakers to the best record of league, best 67 and 15. Also, Kobe Bryant is there as well, uh, but not able to win. I don't think they won the trophy that year in the 2000. Um, wow. So there you go, Giannis Adenakumbo is doing something that hasn't been done since Shaq did it in 2000. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, so Rowdy, seven and a half to eight point favorites. The Bucks are tonight. Also minus five hundred for the series. Now, uh, explain to the folks. And we had a couple calls in. Like, what does minus five hundred mean when it comes to the Bucks in this series against the Hawks? It means the Milwaukee Bucks are pretty big favorites here. So let's say let's say I bet a hundred dollars at minus five hundred for them to win the series. What happens with my hundred dollars, Rowdy? Well, you'd get about twenty bucks back. That'd be your winner. And my hundred. And then your hundred, of course. So if I were to throw it out, I would risk a hundred dollars to win twenty. That's how big the Milwaukee Bucks are favored over the Atlanta Hawks. Now, Giannis Adenakumbo, we do have comments from him. Uh, you heard some of them in the Sports Flash. But Giannis talks about, now in the regular season, the Milwaukee Bucks were, what, 2-1 and one over the Atlanta Hawks? And again, they were 2-1 and one over the Nets. 
in the regular season. So, I mean, take that as a sign, if you will. But. Yeah, and I can't confirm this 100% because I wasn't scowling all of the lines for every single NBA game. Mm-hmm. But I would say this is probably the biggest spread in an NBA game that I've seen and since he- the first round. And it's the Eastern Conference Finals, Bucks hawks Yeah. The Bucks on FanDuel right now, it's eight. I know in other places it's seven and a half, but that's by far the biggest one that I've seen just glancing at them since the first round of the playoffs. Definitely. Milwaukee not won its lone NBA title since 1971, last reached the finals in 1974. The Hawks won their only championship in 1958, lost in the finals in 1957, 60, and 61. That's when they were still playing in St. Louis. It's been a while for the Hawks, but Giannis says it doesn't matter if they lack experience. It's just about playing good basketball. This is a totally different um, series, different scenario, different players, different time. Um, and it's 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 going to be hard. Like, it's not going to be easy at all. Like, they play great. They move the ball. They get a lot of threes. And it doesn't really matter if you have experience. Like, they're playing good basketball. So here's the thing. I don't think the Atlanta Hawks already lucked their way to getting into the Eastern Conference Finals. Just like I don't think the Bucks lucked their way to getting in the Eastern Conference Finals. Good teams get there. Probably depends on who you ask with the Hawks. <laughs> I know some people will say that the Phillies choked it away. Others will say that the Hawks won it. Hey, uh, ben, you don't have to come in here, but thumbs up or thumbs down. Did Philly choke it away? Yeah, that's a thumbs up. He's <laughs> from Philly. Uh, Giannis also talks about that huge game seven. Now we were talking like the emotional win Saturday against the Brooklyn Nets. Like, could this be a hangover game coming up? Giannis actually addressed that talking about putting the game seven behind them and have to do what's what ahead of them. Being able to have a few days was good for our bodies coming from game seven on the road, big win for our organization. It's, it's hard to like turn the page. It's not, it's not that easy because it was, it was a great game. It was a great game to watch, great game to play, to be a part of, but in order for us to be great, that's what we got to do. That's in the past now. That's over with. And Giannis was very adamant after Game 7. He says, we're not done. We're not done. Obviously, it's, it's easy to get enamored and caught up with that Game 7, right? Because it felt like an Eastern Conference Finals. It felt like a championship. What is the second round? So what do you see this series going? Five. And who's winning? Five, Bucks. See, I'm, I'm kind of... No, no, I said six. Bucks and six. I'm tiptoeing the line. I'm going to give a half answer. If the because I think this could be a definitely a huge situation for a letdown for the Milwaukee Bucks after that emotional net series where it goes seven and you win it on the road in the fashion that you did. If there was ever a game that the Bucks were going to have a real letdown, it would be game one, in my opinion. If the Hawks win tonight in game one, I'll say Bucks and six. If the Bucks win tonight and they don't get that uh, little hangover game, Bucks and five. I was I teeter between five and six as well. Uh, Carl says, "Temper your expectations. The higher they are, the harder they fall." <laughs> and we know that as Wisconsin sports fans. Giannis talks about the pressure though of uh, about getting the to the team's first NBA final since 1974. You cannot think about that, you know, because it just adds just adds pressure. So we got to focus on what we do and uh, what we've been doing since day one. Keep playing good basketball, and everything will take care of itself. Now, if you're going to go to the NBA finals. I don't know. I can't predict the future. I wish I, I could. But all I know is that we're going to be able to compete against any team we play. And there's one guy that, you know, has got the flavor for the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young. Here's Giannis on the man with the wild hair. Well, he, he's an amazing player, man. You know, what he can do for his size, the way he can get down the lane and, 
you know, get everybody involved, look for his shot, create for his own self. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I think this is third year in the league. Like, what he's done is, you know, three-year span. It's unbelievable. Like, so Trey Young's coming up, obviously. Giannis has arrived. That's, I mean, after taking down the Nets, yeah, I think you could say Giannis, that performance game seven was an all-timer from the Greek freak, doing things that only Shaq has done since 2000. I know a lot of Bucks fans were super pumped when they acquired him, and they loved him in the regular season and have wanted more out of him in the postseason, but I think this is going to be the Drew Holiday series. I love it. I think Giannis will be the constant, obviously, like he has been pretty much well, obviously, during the regular season and the postseason the past three years. And I think this will be the Drew Holiday series. I think Drew Holiday will look to defend Trey Young and will do a decent job and will get it going on the other end, too. Hell yeah, Rody. Uh, I would love to see Drew Holiday step up and get her going. Absolutely love it, man. Some trying times for Wisconsin basketball. You got former players calling it the softest team in Wisconsin history. I am kind of inclined to agree with them. Uh, so, RJ, we you were in my office when I was listening to the whole 37 minutes and change of the audio and, and editing it all, the S-bombs and the F-bombs and, you know, clipping it to who's talking and blah, 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 blah. And uh, what was so what's your takeaway? So uh, to me, to me, obviously, it's not a good look all around for the program itself. Like I can see. I can see where the players have some gripes about the coaching staff because you're in a global pandemic and emotions are running high. You're not playing up to the uh, the level that you thought you would to be a top 10 team in the country when you started the season. But again, uh, so I can see some of the players' side, but I can see I side more with Coach Greg Gard because this is the same team that won the Big Ten the year previous. Yep. And, you know, won eight games in a row, won a share of the Big Ten, then the world shut down, obviously. So I, I don't know what had really changed from the year previous to last season besides the players themselves not really living up to their moniker and their hype because I don't remember Greg Gard suiting up and uh, going on nine-minute scoring droughts. So, well, I mean, losing changes a lot. It does. So what's, uh, your ta- what's your takeaway on this? I mean, you were with the Badger football program for five years, so you've seen a lot of emotions running high. I mean, you, ha- have you seen and been involved in meetings like that, obviously behind closed doors that never got leaked out? No. Usually they happened in the offices. Like it wasn't. It, it's it's a little harder to have. There's that, that many those, bodies. Yeah, <laughs> football team. Um, but you know, players go individually to to coach Alvarez, or you know, as a smaller group, things yeah. like that. Usually, it's the captains who would have that meeting, being like, "Hey, this isn't working. Let's mm-hmm. let's figure something out." Um, which is totally fine. That's that happens every year. I'd imagine it's a very acceptable thing to do. Um, whether some people on the team know it or not, it, it happens. Um, so this sort of thing, am am I offended and think guys are soft? Not necessarily, uh, but when you get into some of the look, you pointed out we we had zero rebounds and that's why we lost the game. What? You're offended that you got zero rebounds. Yeah. And your coach pointed it out in front of the locker room between to the media and between the two guys who one of them was in the tops of rebounding in the program uh, history and then got zero rebounds in a game, especially like Against a freshman. And they were mad that the media was seeing, like, you outed us to the media. You said we didn't but, get any rebounds. Like, well, we could look. We watched the he game. Didn't. Go back and look at a press conference. He did not yeah. single out those two guys and say, 
we lost it because of them. That That's all locker room talk they're talking about. All their issues stem from him criticizing them in front of their own team. Yeah, yeah. Like, Which, go, what do you go want? What do you want the coach to do? What do you want a coach to do? Yeah. If you screwed up something, did you want your coach coming up to you to say, "That's okay. You're actually really good. Uh, I'm going to pat you on the butt until you're special and better than everyone else, and you did a great job." Wouldn't you want your coach giving you criticism? I did not yeah. listen to the entire audio. I heard mm-hmm. little clips here and there, but. With how you guys are describing this and what you're saying, I don't even need you to say the name. I know who it is. Well, I yeah, watch the is. games. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's th- that one wasn't brought up by that guy. No, uh, it, well, yeah, it, it was brought him. up by Anderson. Yeah, who's like, you specifically point people out, and or was that? Davison was talking Davison about, was talking about, but Anderson harped on it so much. There was one from Davison how like talking about how guard called out um was it Tyler Wall for not going baseline on a play? Like you called him out for not going baseline. Like you know, I, I don't think he liked that. It was a negative with the way to say it. Like you, you should, he didn't respond to it the way you wanted to respond to it. Like you shouldn't have said about him going baseline like that. It's like he's a coach. He's what's coaching. The, what's he supposed to say? He's coaching you. I'm glad you didn't take it to the hoop. But here's the score thing. points. This is this is I assume this not to this level, but I assume this happens all the time when people like emotions run high in in sports in general, especially when you get to a higher level in collegiate sports and obviously pro levels get really high, but emotions run high and people will take things the wrong way, but it's how do you have a meeting and respond to it and come back and then say, hey, do you want to crumple up and cry in a corner? Or do you want to respond and go out there and show that you are learning from your mistakes and making your game better the next practice, the next day, the next game? Yeah. And, I mean, if if all this was was, coach, I mean, we don't feel like you're behind us. We need to change something to have that feeling. You know, but when some of these seemed more like personal attacks. Yeah. Um, well, it was, it was the issue was what we don't feel like that coach cares about us and that you don't have our backs. Yeah. And then they brought up like, remember when Brad Davison, um, you know, it looked like the big 10 refs were out to get him, and coach guard came to the media and went guns blazing. I think he even got fined, uh, for coming after it. Probably. And then, uh, th- and then Micah Potter brought up the fact he's like, well, you know, action speaks louder than words. You went out there and say all this stuff, but then you didn't do anything. It's like, I remember vividly coach guard out there. Like screaming post game about the refs was this meeting and how they were coming after. I think this meeting was before that, probably, and that's why he came out and did it. So it's you. I give Coach Greg Guard all the credit in the world of calling and having all these players in for a a meeting all together. Yeah, you probably have your one on ones throughout the season. Like, hey, let me take you aside and talk with you. Hey, you know, come to my office. But to get all of the guys into the room, to have a big vent session. Where allegedly Coach Guard just sits there and listens to them, you know, spill their guts and hearts out and emotions out to him, says a lot to me about Coach Greg Guard about how he wants the best for the kids. When what universe would you have a coach come in to be like, all right, boys, let let me have it all of you at the same time. Let's yeah. go. I'll sit here and listen. And and the other thing there is that happened, and the big Jays who started getting their contacts and all that, mm-hmm. you're seeing this come back now saying everybody came away from that meeting with a positive outlook on things. Yeah. And we haven't heard anything since. No. We've just heard stuff until, from Sam Deckard. Yeah, but we haven't heard anything since about 
well, maybe the meeting wasn't all that good outside of this leaking because somebody leaked it. Yeah. And the meeting happened in February. I, I, saw, I saw Jeff Patrikas tweet out, in him, he's reached out to a majority of these players now, mm-hmm. and all of them said, I would not break that trust. I did yeah, not record it. It wasn't meeting. the players. There's no way it was the players. It was it was it was an assistant coach because it was players in there, Greg Gard, and a couple assistant and the four, coaches. The four coaches. Yep. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, it's Fuller. Full dog. What's up, baby? What a time hey to be there. alive. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, I cut you cut off for a second. No, you cut out. No, I didn't cut out. You cut out, Fuller. What a time to be alive, Fuller. What do you think, dude? Hey. Listen. I'm so glad you guys are talking about this bright and early this morning because it needs to be addressed and then it needs to be moved on from, right? So, first off, I, I'll i give the players a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in the sense that none of these guys knew that this was going to go public. Correct. Right. So, shame on the person who recorded them, and I think we all know who that person was. Yes. There might be, there might be one player in mind that I have that maybe could have done it or two, but I've Fuller. We're all pretty sure it's the one guy. If you listen to the recording, all of the players sound distant, like they're away from the mic. So yeah. they all sound the same, like, length away from the mic. So to me, just being common sense, it wasn't the players. Yeah. And it seems as though there is one culprit that makes the most sense, but yeah. we don't need to speculate. No. But, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you could look at who's no longer on the staff. Yeah. Yep. Pretty short list. Anyway, um, having said all that, these players had what I would consider probably the most egregious year in terms of what the expectations were versus what the performance was on the court. Yeah. And I find this to be a pretty convenient way to point the finger at somebody else when really you kind of just sucked. Now, they want to complain about Oh, coach, you didn't have our backs and all this and all that. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the NCAA did pretty much handcuff every program's coach from being able to interact with his players more than an hour and a half a day, right, yeah. this last year? I mean, I'm not crazy in thinking that even if Greg Gard wanted to spend more time with these kids outside of practice and game prep, he didn't have a choice. Everything was very limited. Yeah. So I'm sure what happened is one person said one thing about, well, coach doesn't care about me. And the other kid had gone 0 for 12 from behind the arc, and they lost by 15 to Iowa again. And he goes, yeah, coach guard doesn't care about me either. And then they just start going around and around in the locker room, and they're like, well, we've lost eight out of ten games. we got to go talk to Coach because he's obviously doing something wrong. It's ridiculous. Micah, I, heard, I literally heard Micah Potter say he doesn't think Coach, Cart, Coach Guard cares about him. What, what happened last year when he was ineligible and Gardo was going up there every day defending his honor, trying to – Yeah, calling the NCAA a bunch of idiots for not letting him play. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, the next year, he just doesn't care about you because you're eligible. I, I hardly think so. I mean, what I, I just, it, I find it eerily convenient on a year in a year where they 
severely underperformed that they that this is how the players feel. Yeah. It's right? it's, it's very yes, yes, Fuller. Well, the thing is is like none of these kids in high school ever got challenged by a coach because they were well, so it's the AAU basketball mentality now. You know, you're, yeah. you're the best player out there. You're pampered, and when you know you face adversity, it's what do you do? You tuck your tail between your legs and go cry in the corner, or do you respond to it? Well, apparently, you go tuck your tail between your legs and cry in the corner because, again, I know this happens, and it's not fair because they didn't know they were getting recorded. But come on, yeah, Fuller, Fuller, there you go, brother. Does it feel good to get it off your chest? Yes. Much, much better. Fuller, nice to hear from you, man. Always a pleasure. Later, boys. See you, buddy. All right, boys. So I just saw this. Now, RJ, um, and you were talking about how, you know, the players after the – so this meeting that happened with the players and the coaching staff happened in February. And how, you know, nothing really – we never heard anything bad come out of this. In fact – Towards the end of the season, it sounded like seemed like they were winning some more, like you know maybe playing a little better. Hell, they beat North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. Like that was a huge, huge win. Micah Potter, I saw this uh, come up back in February. Micah Potter talked about how that the team meeting that they had got them to be really, really close knit. Now the the in question, the meeting in question that was recorded and leaked yesterday happened in February. Micah Potter talked about a team meeting with the Badgers they had over the past couple of days that helped them feel more together, and he talked about it on February 21st. Now, February, a short month, obviously. I would imagine that this meeting happened early, mid to early February because this meeting Potter is talking about, he talks about in late February. So take a listen to what Michael Potter had to say late February, uh, which I, if the timeline adds up, would be after this leaked meeting that was leaked yesterday stuff that we talked about in that meeting um, that really helped us kind of really like get really really close-knit um and, and really kind of help us you know band together and realize like you know this is this is it you know for a lot of us this is it and if we want to have you know we got to have if we want to just kind of go on with our lives that's it but no like we want to make this a memorable year we want to have fun with it um because i'm gonna be honest like this is not what we wanted it to be um and so all we can do is change it move on you know, use the past as motivation um, and continue to work and get better, learn from your mistakes, um, and hopefully we'll have success going on the rest of the year. Now, that's late February. That sounds like a guy who came out of that meeting feeling a lot positive and that they got it out, out on the table Yeah, and felt now, better about it. What? When did the article say the meeting took place? It just says in February. Okay. Now, that, that yeah. what I just played for you was Feb- from February 21st. Right. And you, even if was... Was the date listed there? February twenty first. Okay, so it. Micah Potter talks about a team meeting the Badgers had. Because I was going to, even if you didn't see the the date or it wasn't on something that had a date. Yeah. You can tell, all because the background there is Northwestern. Yes. You're at Northwestern. Yes. All you'd have to do is go look at the schedule and see when the Badgers played at Northwestern. You pinpoint the date. So yeah, late February. And it sounded galvanizing. Now, whether it was the team came together and said a big F you to guard, uh, maybe that was it. But I usually, if you have that kind of meeting, it's everybody comes together and things started changing. Now, after hearing that from what Michael Potter just said and listening to the leaked audio, the person who leaked this audio clearly did not feel how the other players felt. Because all the other players, very emotional in that meeting. What Micah well, Potter just was talking about. Anybody else felt. No, Micah Potter, what he was just saying was like, it helped us bring bringing us together, yada, yada, yada. You just heard it. 
whoever recorded and leaked that audio obviously has a real vendetta out against head coach Greg Gard. Yeah. And and collateral damage was not only the players, but also the, the program itself. Yeah. Sounds like a someone who scorned. Someone who got passed over for a position. Sharif Chamberlain just got the full time assistant head coaching job. He was no he was not on the Badgers staff last year, if I remember correctly. No. In fact, I, I think he was in the Horizon League. Yeah. He was last on the staff as the video coordinator, I think, uh, a few years ago. Huh. <laughs> uh, I want to play a little bit of the Potter from uh, the earlier February interview, the one that was leaked. Take a listen. Ultimately, Coach, we just want the guy that came to us last year and apologized in tears. I'm not saying you have to cry and apologize. Like, but, like, that was honestly, like, the biggest turning point last year. Like, we felt that we could, wow, we could play for this guy. We can relate to this guy. Like, and that was honest, like, yeah, okay, we, we, we beat Michigan State, we lost to Minnesota, and we went to Iowa, we lost, and it was like the attitude that you had after the game, like, wow, like, we love that effort, you know, yeah, well, there's some things we can fix, but that was the kind of effort, that's the kind of team that I want to coach, I'm proud of that effort. And then it's just like, after that, we went on our run. And, like, going, like, I'm going to say both that Nate is, it's like, it genuinely doesn't feel like you're for us. Like, you can say play free, you can say have fun, you can say all this stuff, but in reality, actions speak louder than words. And if it's something where it's like, shoot, like, I, I'm worried, like you said, like, you told me, like, that's not a good shot when it's like, I don't know, like, I, it's not a bad shot, early shot, whatever, but it's like, the kind of, like, confidence is everything, and I think for all of us, confidence is everything. And if you, like, have any kind of hesitation, everyone's so freaking scared of making mistakes, whether it be turning the ball over, taking bad shots, you know, not playing well on defense. It's like everything's so focused on these certain things, and it's like mistakes happen in a game. You have to be able to, like, move on and adjust from a mid-game. Basketball is a game of runs and mistakes. Things are going to happen. You have to be able to adjust. And, like, if guys are so uptight, it's like nothing's going to work. Like, we're shooting the ball like crap. We've shot the ball like crap. Honestly, I feel like ever since, like, maybe the Michigan State game or whatever, like, we're horrible. Everyone knows we're not, we're not, you know, this bad of a shooting team. We all know that. Like, but it's just that no one has any kind of confidence. And it's because, like, Lewis Riddick, he's that ESPN guy who played in the NFL. Honestly, I was watching ESPN with my dad in his hotel room last night. He said, talking about Carson Wentz going to the Colts, he's like, ultimately, when it comes down to getting the max out of your players from a performance standpoint, this comes down to relationships. If the coach, because the offensive coordinator that was with the Eagles uh, when Carson Wentz had his MVP tech caliber year, he's with the Colts now. He's like, if you want to get the best out of your players, it comes like the ultimate best. It comes down to the relationship. If you don't have a good relationship with your players, they're not going to be their absolute best. All right, so that goes on for another six minutes. And Michael Potter, you know, being emotional with Coach Greg Gard, saying like, we need you to feel like you're there for us. So they all get that emotion out there, right? And then this is in February, that meeting I just played for you, that recording I just played for you. Late February, Michael Potter then says this after a, a meeting they had in late February. This one is a, a, to the media. Stuff that we talked about in that meeting um, that really helped us kind of really like get really, really close knit um, and, and really kind of help us, you know, band together and realize like, you know, this is this is it. You know, for a lot of us, this is it. And if we want to have, you know, we got to have if we want to just kind of go on with our lives, that's it. But no, like we want to make this a memorable year. We want to have fun with it because um, I'm going to be honest, like this is not what we wanted it to be. Um, and so all we can do is change it, move on. You know, use the past as motivation um, and continue to work and get better. 
learn from your mistakes. Um, and hopefully we'll have success going on the rest of the year. This, 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 Micah Potter, he goes on in that leaked audio of saying how he's like, I don't even know why I came back. Like, I'm, I'm doubting why I came back. Why did I come back for one more year? Like, he's getting it all out on the table. Yeah. And then he has that way. I just played for you through the public meeting. It sounds like a meeting that was very productive for everyone, except one individual who had a vendetta. That's, that's what it is. Like, yeah. I don't even think this is a big deal anymore. I even, think it's literally one person who's got a vendetta. Even in his, uh, meeting tape he talks about mistakes happen turnovers happen all the time in basketball what's one thing since bo ryan took over this program that wisconsin's known for taking care of the basketball yeah, no turnovers. And not turning it over mistake free and not taking bad shots mm-hmm. and yet he lists all those things as happening and we need to be told it was still a good look it was still okay when I get there's a lot of emotion. Like, we, I mean, we know in the past guys have been pulled for lesser offenses than we've seen this year. Yeah. And listen, I'm sure these meetings happen all the time for every program across the country for any sport when it comes to, you know, facing adversity. People get it all out there. They air it out. And good on great guard for saying, hey, everyone come into the room and just let me have it. I'll let you talk. I won't say a word. I think that speaks volumes of great guard. How he truly does care for the kids in the program. Yeah. There's literally one person who's got a vendetta against head coach Greg Gard. And they're trying to get him. And I think it's kind of backfired in their face. Good morning, guys. How are <laughs> you doing? How are we doing I'm, just, I'm just in the whirlwind, dude. How are we doing? We are just uh, living in the... Uh, living in bizarre in the world. Old, in, the, in, the, in the simulation, basically. Yeah, the simulation's right? been glitching a lot these past year and a half. <clears throat> so... This whole tape thing seems like it's a bit like almost to bring up a Cold War term. It's like mutually assured destruction because whoever released it, if they find out who that is, I mean, their career as either a player or a coach is going to be like completely ruined. But also, I'd have to respectfully disagree with the concept that this shows that that uh, Greg Gard, that that meeting shows that like he, that I... I don't know how to best explain it. like the saying that like I have a lot of respect for him going through a struggle session with his players essentially. Yeah. Because I don't know if you guys are familiar with the film Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> yep. But it feels like at this point Greg Gard is the Jack Lemon character trying to drink his coffee and the players are Alec Baldwin telling him to put the coffee down when yeah. it should be the exact reverse. Yeah. Now what? I'm not trying nice to... reference. Wow. Glenn Gary so, Glenn like, Ross going with it. I love it. Yeah, so like these players, like, I'm not really disappointed in them because I don't really expect much from these guys. I've kind of inferred over the past couple of years, like we all have, that they're the pampered suburban type AUs that have been driven around by mom and dad their whole life to all their tournaments all over, you know, all over the upper Midwest or wherever they typically get the recruits from. So I'm not really that surprised that they come out whining and saying, like, well, you know, turnovers happen and that's just the way it is and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Like you hear that, and yeah, you know, not. Well, I mean, the, this AAU so, basketball, man. AAU basketball is telling that is everything's pampered. You're the best. You're the next NBA recruit. You're this. You're that. You know, and, right? And I just want to say, finish up on you know, and you know, Sam Decker came out of that, and he didn't have that type of attitude. But that kind of goes to as well the the recruitment by the head coach. Like, how are you bringing in these type of guys with this kind of an attitude that like they end up being this? 
insubordinate, really. When you've had that relationship, like recruiting them, I would think for a number of years, like you could probably tell what you're going to be getting. That's like that's kind of my take on that whole situation. And yeah. one last thing is that Chris McIntyre <laughs> or McIntosh, yeah. I guess that maybe that's his alter ego is McIntyre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they must think we're trying. That's his burner account. You know, I've said this in the past when Aaron Rodgers says wacky things like they must really think we're stupid. He must kind of think we're kind of gullible. When they're saying like, great guard, I have complete confidence in him, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know how you could listen to that. Again, having a guy to go through a two-hour struggle session with his players, that sounds to me like he's lost con- like complete control of that program. And I know that I'm kind of being harsh and I'm kind of just joining this course of like, Greg guard the bum, get him out of there. And I'm not trying to say that, but, it, but I'm also trying to bring up some points where like, you know, you guys, like you said, that you're not a journalist. I kind of consider you guys somewhat journalists, but like the big J's, they never ask any of these difficult questions. So I respect that you guys are actually like bringing up some, some Listen, difficult. Listen, I, I am not a journalist. I am by, not by any stretch okay. a journalist. I'm a guy then, that just likes to uh, talk about sports and make some dumb jokes and sometimes get a little serious about and stuff and then, and then just and listen to guys like you talk. I, I just love like hanging out. And that's why you guys have the leeway to bring that up. That's yeah. why I wanted to say because I'll never, you'll never see I, me in a locker room or anything like that. No. I did that. I did that a couple of years ago. You'll never see me. Do Corey, that if it means anything, I wrote a few articles one time. Then I got <laughs> shunned for doing so. <laughs> we all be, will be shunned. I just like to be a smart ass on the really. mic. That's all I like to do. You know. So yeah, that's all I had to say. It was a little bit of rambling, but um, yeah, that's no, kind we of my appreciate that's that why we hear from you, man. That whole situation, but it, it's a. Overall, that's a pretty bad look because, like you said before, and Zach Halliburton said, these other programs are going to use that against them. Now, yeah. if it comes out that somebody else got their hands on this and released it, that'll be a big deal. And, like, they can figure out who did this because they can just go down to the guys at the campsite building down on UW's campus, have them kind of figure out how, how who actually recorded this. Because once you start sending stuff over the Internet, your anonymity is gone. So if somebody could have sent this from a – "Quote unquote anonymous email call, but IP address. They can exactly. It they was, can figure that out. Sorry, it was and, Russia. We already know it was Russia. <laughs> it's always the Russians. Or some <laughs> Belarusian guy sitting in the yeah, You brought up Cold War earlier. It's the Russians again. Damn it. Exactly. All right. All right well, have story. a good morning, guys. See you, brother. Yep. See you. Man. Wild, wild, wild ride. Well, for some reason, Dave from Monona really wanted to hear my take yeah, on the whole thing. Rowdy, you've been silent for a long time. Let's hear it. Well, who was the first guy that started Mount Notice with? Greg Card being the guy that was on there. When Mount Notice was first carved out, it was Nelson Raysback out there chiseling Greg Gard on it. But then he went on to rattle off eight wins in a row and win the Big Ten. But then, if you remember correctly, <laughs> he also resurfaced back on Mount Notice. He did. And obviously, my reasoning for criticism for Greg Gard was never about the type of person he ever was. It was always about on the court because... For the most part, that's what I watch. That's mm-hmm. what I'm there for. Yeah. And I never thought that he got all of the talent and ability out of the players that he recruited that Bo Ryan did, especially when, for the most part, it seemed like Greg Gard was getting these higher-starred recruits or I guess you'd say more coveted recruits than what Bo Ryan was for the majority uh, of Bo Ryan's career. Mm-hmm. Yet Bo Ryan consistently had more success, in my opinion, and we would always go back and forth about Greg Gard and his successes because a lot of his successes were early in his career. 
And I said those were Bo Ryan teams with Bo Ryan players. Mm-hmm. And then once the likes of like the Bronson Koenig, the Nigel Hayes, the Zach Showalters moved on, you saw that real lull. Mm-hmm. That was always my opinion on why I criticized them, and then it never seemed like they actually got it done when it really mattered. When I lo- when I watched this team the last two years, was it not the most frustrating teams to watch for Wisconsin? This, the season that just happened was one of the worst I've, frustrating seasons ever. Because you knew that they had some talent. You knew that those guys had played well in the past, but they could never just quite get it done. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things. When, remember when they brought that class in as, as, as freshmen? With the Davisons, the Reavers, all those, Kobe King at the time, they were highly touted four stars. Mm-hmm. They were good recruits. Mm-hmm. They weren't some barely three-star kid that's from the state of Wisconsin or from Minnesota. Those were guys that were more coveted recruits that more than just the ball states of the world wanted. Yeah. And they came in here, and a lot of them were forced to play at a young age because of injuries and just lack of depth from players moving on in the program. And they showed some promise, and then it looked like, you know, sophomore and junior year, they all kind of went through lulls. Mm Mm-hmm. I always blame that on not developing and a lot of that on Greg Gard. Well, I look at this and one having this meeting, I don't think there's anything wrong with this meeting. I think it's good to clear the air. I think it happens every year in programs across the country. Two, I actually am am amazed that Greg Gard would allow for, you know, this many players to sit in a room and just come at him for two hours. Not many people would actually do that. It's a two-hour meeting. We only get 37 minutes of just the players that are edited from whoever released it. And from some of the statements from the players from last season talking about how they had a meeting where it was super positive, it seems like it was a good thing. Yeah, or at, Mike, least, at least dirty laundry was aired. Yeah, and Micah Potter, we had the comments late February, him saying we had a galvanizing moment. Great to clear the air. all come together. And then I hear some of the statements from some of the players and – I just go, it just all makes sense. I watched this team for two years and they were soft as hell. Especially last year. And now I hear some of the guys talking about not playing. Some some of the guys talking about how... Yeah, Walt McGrory and Trevor Anderson, mostly Walt McGrory. He shouldn't have been playing. Yes. Or you even talked about Anderson. Anderson, unfortunately, had knee injuries. Mm-hmm. He was a shell of what he was when he was a freshman at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't a, a lack of depth and experience at the guard position, he's not playing either. Correct. So I it's kind of I kind of go back and forth on this because I think as a person, Greg Gard did a really great job here, and I and I applaud him for that. But then you look at some of the players, and I go, well, you're really just soft, or you're really just not that good. And then, so if that's the case, how do you take them storming back to win eight games in a row and winning the Big Ten in 2020? Well, to to come full circle here, part of me says that about them being soft and not that good. And then part of me comes back to guard saying, well, they still didn't feel like they developed under you, at least some of them. So it's like a big microcosm for me where I'm like going back and forth going, well, I can see this point here. Well, I can see this too. (laughs) I would say uh, in in a positive light for great guard, if – all these players are indeed so soft. Imagine winning the Big Ten and winning eight in a row with the softest group of individuals you've ever had in the program. Um, well, that's the thing. They're, two, two they're soft, ago. but they're not. a lot of them weren't bad players. No, it's 
Even Ben Bruss is saying this is the softest Badger basketball team ever. Like Nate Reavers doesn't all of a sudden be a, what was he, a third team all Big Ten? Yeah. To literally a nobody. Yeah, it was a tough season for him. And, then, and, that's, and that wasn't because of their talent. That had to be upstairs being mentally soft. Yeah. Because you can't just go from being there and then all of a sudden being a senior, you're going to continue to be playing against younger guys with less experience. It just doesn't It doesn't make any sense. So I feel like... They were, what, seventh in the nation to start the season this year? And they did not look like it one bit. And you also got to... Now, I know it's an excuse for a lot of things, but when the world's falling apart around you from politics to society to a global pandemic... I think that's an excuse. Well, I, I, I know it's you know, an excuse for a lot of things, but also during it and living through it and not being able to go home, not being able to do normal things, not yeah, being able to go no to class. Yeah, but no team was able to do No, that. I understand that. But a lot of people fall, folded under those circumstances, and I think you have to add that into the stress of them not living up to their expectations as well. I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm saying it has to be in the conversation. No, I think Greg Gard through these videos just continues to come out as like an A1 guy. Yeah. Like, hey, seven guys. We're not having a great year. A lot of emotions. Let's do a closed-door meeting, and you just vent, and I will listen. I think that speaks volumes on Greg Gard of how great of an individual he is. Yes, but then on the other side... I just look at some of the players and go, I can't believe how soft they are. And I think there is a point to it of where I don't think they uh, completely developed. So I have to look at Greg Gard with that too. Yeah, I don't think anyone's clean on this. The dirtiest of them all is whoever released it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's something that never should have been released. This never even should be out. We always say, man, could you imagine being a fly in the wall? Well, now we are. And it's, you're like, wow, I can't believe someone released that. It's a clear vendetta against Greg Gard. It's a clear vendetta against Greg Gard. There's no other way to twist it. Whoever did it wants Greg Gard out. That's, that's obvious. Crazy, crazy. And now some people can look at it and say, hey, you know, the players... The players are soft here. Greg Gard, great guy. That was a great coaching. And then you have other people that are saying, man, this looks makes Greg Gard look terrible. Yeah, if you're if you're a, not a guard guy, you use it against him. If you're a guard guy, you use it for him. Like it's, you know. Well, it's weird because. Just like how society is now. It's 50-50. I really wasn't a guard guy, but I think this actually makes him look better. And yeah, I, I think this makes guard I, look a lot better. I know people that defended guard tooth and nail for the last two, three years. And they think it makes them look worse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well, all how you it, view it and twist it. That's why there's been so many callers. That's why we've talked about this for almost two and a half hours now, because there's so many layers to the onion. Yeah. We haven't even. so many angles. Rowdy, we haven't even gotten to the long-term ramifications, recruiting, uh, you know, coming up in the next year. In the comments, they were talking about Jonathan Davis and um, um, Tyler Wall being pissed as well. So this affects not only, well, I guess, just Brad Davis and coming back. So it only affects the guys there that are coming back, the guys that are coming in, and the young, up, the, the underclassmen. It's pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. Back-to-back days for the ray of sunshine in my dark and dreary life. Our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Good morning, Zach. Morning, sir. Nothing short of a uh, um, little news to talk about today. Yeah. It broke. Yeah, it break about five minutes after we got off the air. Yeah, those uh, Badgers' new uniforms are pretty cool. <laughs> I, RG already pulled that one on me. I had to, I had to do it. Good one. Yeah, he's always a, he's a character. 
Yes. RJ, you want to say hello to Zach? Hey, Zach. And then, uh, so Zach, uh, enough about the Badgers uniforms, as cool as they are. Well, real quick, what's your take on the Badgers uniforms? Do you like them, yeah or nay? Love them. Love them. Same. I think they're pretty slick. All right, Mm -hmm. Zach, let's just get right to it. Wow. What a bombshell yesterday as a audio has been leaked from a private meeting in February for the Badgers, seven seniors, four coaches, where uh, it was a t- over, what, a two-hour meeting and only 37 minutes, 37 and change was cut up of all the players talking. Um, what's your initial takeaway of this, you know, audio leak? What was said in the other hour and 23 minutes. Right? Yeah. No, that's, that's part of it, obviously. But then what was said there is certainly not, uh, flattering for anybody. I mean, it, this, there's there's two things here. What was said and the fact that we even heard it. So the, f- the first part of it, uh, in terms of what was said, you get these kind of meetings. I doubt you get this kind of criticism everywhere, but it was clearly something that was bothering these guys to the point where they got emotional. And, like, you know, it's kind of ridiculous for a guy like Walt McGrory to get emotional, but I completely understand it from Nate Reaver's point of view and, uh, you know, Brad Davison's and, like, I, I get it from their point of view, uh, how much they put into it. Um, and those those things are not things that you want to hear about your coach or uh, about the coach of a team that you follow. It was, it's really, really bad. And I think that it doesn't make anybody, especially great guard, look good. The other aspect of it is the, that it getting out at all. Right. And it's a huge, huge uh, hit to trust within that program uh, that – you want you want to be able to have these type of conversations. I think these type of conversations happen all over the place. You just don't normally have somebody going in there and recording it, and then four months later putting it out. And it's such a such a bad look and such a bad precedent. I mean, I I don't know how anybody would trust anybody to to have that type of conversation ever again if it gets out. You know what I mean? Right. To me, it seems like there's one, indiv- or I don't know if it's one or if it's multiple, but it seems like there's whoever it was has a vendetta. And I don't know if it's out against, you know, the, the players because I think that, or the program itself, I think those are collateral damage. I think the vendetta is out against head coach Greg Gard is, is, is kind of my understanding from this. But I don't, that's, I guess, conjecture for me. So Zach, what does this mean? No, that's it. no like you can, you go ahead and speculate. I mean, it, it is what it is. Well, I don't know I, who I, it is, obviously, everyone, but I feel like it's a vendetta. Is- no, no. Everyone is talking about it. I think it's. I, I don't. You, if if you feel that way, if you feel that, look, look let's just put our cards on the table. There was there were eleven people in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it to me does not benefit the players whatsoever to to put it out. Um, no, because you're hurting other teammates. And I still think, even though you know they're gone, that group is still close. Like and to. <laughs> to just throw their trust down and, and kind of, you know, put it all out there for everybody to see. I don't, I don't envision players doing that. I know that a lot of them yesterday were favoriting tweets that said that. So I can, I can see that. Uh, Greg Gard, obviously not going to put that out, right? Right. Uh, there were three assistant coaches in there. Two of them still are on the staff. Would, you want, would they want that type of stuff out there? Absolutely not because it's nope. going to make their life very, very difficult on the recruiting trail. The only person that is there is, is Orlando Tucker, and I'm not saying he did it. No, but he's the only one that's he's he is the only one that's uh, that's not there anymore, and um, you know he got passed over for the job. No, the, the job the, that Shalif Chambliss got for the full time assistant. Right, correct? you can make the argument that that's what it is, but there is no there's no facts 
right? There's, this is you speculation. can speculate all you want, but there's no facts to back it up unless he wants to come out and say that he did. And, you know, we don't know that. It just, uh, it, if you, the math is not hard if that's the way you want to Correct. think about it. But we, there's, there, are no, there are no facts to back that up at this point. Yeah, all you have right now is speculation and conjecture, and, like, you could, you know, I can follow a bread tr- a crumb trail, you know. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens if anything comes out of it. Who knows? But, Zach, let me ask you, uh, you know, Barry Alvarez released a statement saying he's fully committed to Greg Gard you know, and his coaching staff. Greg Gard released a statement saying he's got nothing but, you know, um, the, the backs and the trust and, um, you know, wanting nothing but the best for his student-athletes. What do you think is long-term ramifications here for Badger basketball? I know this is kind of more speculation, but does this kind of, like, hurt them moving forward for recruiting-wise? And I know you kind of alluded to it already with, you know, this breaking the trust, but is this going to be, like, hurting the Badgers moving forward long-term? I think it's going to be used against them. Yeah. And that's why, like, if the recording somehow got into the wrong hands, that it could end up being outed like this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, somehow, some way. It made its way to another program, um, you know. And so, yes, it's definitely going to be used against them. It w- I don't know how big of an impact it's going to have, but it it will definitely be used against them on the recruiting trail. And I, you know what? I'll be honest. Like, if you're Chris McIntosh, it's you know, suck suck that you're walking into this. Yeah. But I think it also kind of gives you a little bit of the ability to, you know, say say they have a bad year this year and they don't play well next year. Well, then it's a little bit easier to, to move this, this audio, even as bad as it is and as horrible as it kind of leaves you a little bit of an opportunity to move away from Greg Gard if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And if it does work out, then it proves that, you know, he's changed or he has uh, evolved or whatever it is, they're playing well and everything, uh, winning cures everything. So, I mean, he's kind of, I don't want to say he has an easy binding stretch, but he can go one of two ways with it. You know, it, it can go either way. Yeah, Zach Halperin, our uh, sports director, joining us right now. What a what an interesting time for Wisconsin basketball right now. Mm. Very, very, very bizarre. Very interesting. So, Zach, it was, uh, you know, in this, in, in, and Brad Davison, out of all the seniors, obviously, is the only one coming back. And Brad Davison, obviously, was in this, you know, talking about how, um, you know, he had some issues as well, but it's more like constructive criticism. Um, was, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask anymore. It's just... There's so much speculation on this. Just looking at this Badger basketball program, and um, like, is it Jonathan? Besides Brad Davison, is it Jonathan Davis, the most tenured guy coming in next year? Then, or with the Tyler team? Wallace, or Tyler yeah, Wallace? Excuse Ty- me, Tyler Wallace Jr. and then Jonathan Davis. The, the weird thing about this is, uh, you know, that the recording showed, you know, maybe the culture isn't that they were upset with the culture, right? Like mm-hmm. that, it just had become, it had changed or it wasn't what they signed up for. The The thing about it is, is Greg Gard talked last year, at least beginning of last year, about how the, um, how they brought in such a big freshman class, I think it was six players, uh, because they wanted them to be mentored and uh, by the upper classmen, by the, the senior class. They wanted them to see what it was like to be a Badger and how to, how to, how to, you know, go around it the Wisconsin way. And I think that may have backfired pretty significantly um, because I don't think that's the way you want, you know, the program to go about its business, um, yeah. right? Like that's, you know, I don't know if you want those guys leading anybody at this point and telling them this is how it's supposed to go or this is what it's supposed to do. That may have had more of a negative impact than, than a positive impact. Again, we're thinking about 37 minutes of uh, four- and five-year careers, right? Right. 
So I don't want to make I don't want to go overboard with that, but that was their goal, or that was that was the reasoning behind Greg Gar bringing in such a big freshman class last year, is because he wanted to have them see what the upperclassmen or the seniors were doing and kind of get a feel for what it is. And um, you know, we'll see if that actually ends up playing out all right. Man, very interesting, Zach. Hey, we thank you for your time, man. I, uh, you, you just wait a couple minutes here in Wisconsin, and some crazy story will happen this year. If it's not Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden it's Badger basketball, and you got the Brewers' woes, and and I got Bucks Eastern Conference Finals. What a time to be alive, eh, Zach? Yes, sir. Hey, we appreciate you for getting up early. And uh, you on Sirius XM later, my brother? Yeah, eight thirty. Look at you, man. Drop an F bomb for me, okay? Would you? We'll do. All right, see you, buddy. He wouldn't do that. He's a big J. He wouldn't do that, honest. 